welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we interview Suzanne Stone, the Chief Strategic Solutions and Programs Officer of Livestrong. From day one, Livestrong's goal has been to help cancer survivors and their loved ones. They've created tools and resources to help ease the challenges of a cancer diagnosis. Some of these resources include one-on-one support to cancer survivors, caregivers, and loved ones, and community programs to address the day-to-day concerns of survivors. Livestrong also partners with institutions and policymakers to change the way the world fights cancer. Something I found super interesting about Livestrong's goals were that they definitely want to support cancer diagnosis and treatment efforts, but they're particularly interested in innovating ways to support patients after cancer. In this interview, we discuss the unique challenges that female cancer survivors face, such as infertility, long-lasting injuries to the pelvic floor, and PTSD as a result of this life-altering disease. This is a super powerful conversation that I know you listeners will appreciate. Hey, Suzanne, welcome to the show. I'm Brittany. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, this is really awesome. We, I don't think we've had a foundation on yet, so this is this kind of big deal for me. I'm really excited. Well, I'm really honored to be your first foundation on the podcast, um, but no, I'm, I'm very excited to be here, and I hope, um, I hope that uh, everybody who's listening is intrigued and interested as to why I'm here. I was very, very excited when you reached, when we got connected, and I noticed that Livestrong is in Austin. We're neighbors. We I didn't we know neighbors. that. We are. Yeah, we've been here since the beginning. And, um, you know, 24 years, but we, we have never just operated locally. Uh Um, we happen to be here, but we operate globally Cool. and, you know, different iterations throughout the years, just like any company, you know, moves and shifts and changes depending on what's happening, um, in the universe. But, uh, yeah, we, we are very proud to call Austin home and we have invested locally, uh, probably, well, definitely heavier right? Mm-hmm. Than in other areas because it's, it's home to us. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for the pandemic to lift and, uh, we can see each other in person. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm ready for, even if it's just socially distanced yep. coffee, um, it's <laughs> great to see, it's yes. great to like, see how tall you are. I have no I idea know. how tall anybody is. <laughs> Right? Yes, no perspective. no perspective. No perspective. That's right. That's right. No. Um, well, we always love to kick off our interviews with uh, learning about our guest background. You know, we want to get to know you personally. So where are you from? What did you study? And how did you end up here running the programs at Livestrong? Well, it's, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of women's journeys are, are not in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And and they're often defined by what happens to us mm. as opposed to 
actions we necessarily intend on taking. Mm -hmm. Um, I say this because my journey, just like many, you know, started out in one direction and ended in another, um, mostly because I was seeking to, um, definitely always make an impact. And I love, um, I'm a caretaker like many of us, Mm -hmm. um, females are, you know, I'm, I'm a caretaker and, that started driving kind of what I did and drove a lot of the decisions that I made. So I grew up actually, I'm, I'm a Southern girl by birth. I grew up, I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And, um, and then my family moved to Washington DC when I was five. Okay. So I really grew up, um, in, in the district and just outside of the district, but politics was a big piece Mm -hmm. of, what my growing up was like. I did not know that the entire world didn't look like my world. Yeah. Everybody can say that, right? Yeah. My best friend was from Vietnam. Like her parents, I mean, she's first generation. She was born in Vietnam, but my best friend um, was from Vietnam. Um, My neighbors were from Sweden, Bangladesh, Ecuador, um, when I went to school, I went to public school and we never celebrated holidays, religious holidays. Because, because there would be too many, huh? Every yeah. religion known to man in my school. Wow. And so, right. And so this is, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and age myself. I'm 50 years old or 50 years young. <laughs> and, um, and so this was back Again, you know, this is back when we were all celebrating Christmas break, mm-hmm. right? And you would have Easter break. Well, not not where I grew up. Wow. So when um, I also have a, a little bit of wanderlust uh, somehow inside of me. And so when I was, when it was time for me to leave home, I left, like left, left. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to Texas because it's as far as my father would allow me. <laughs> and so... <laughs> because obviously this was before cell phones mm-hmm. and, and the internet and, and all of those things. And, um, he knew what would happen probably if I got too far. Um, so anyway, they said Texas was as far as I could go because it was next door to Louisiana. That's why it's important to know that <laughs> piece of my story. So, um, I convinced him and I went to Texas Christian university. Um, so I'm a horned frog lead purple still. Um, I graduated from there with a degree, um, a bachelor's degree in radio, television, and film production. Okay. I, yeah. So I, um, again, I'll keep dating myself, but for those of you who remember watching Jane Pauley on, um, the today show, I was, I was in, I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be her. Um, I'm going to be Jane Pauley. She's now the host of CBS Sunday morning, which Uh is another fantastic show. I could keep going on and on. And Charles Kuralt, another big favorite. She, anyway. Um, so (laughs) journalism and photography were, were really my things. I really loved this idea of telling stories. What I didn't understand at that point, how that that's, that love of telling stories and that love of pictures mm. would really translate well into what I ended up doing for, for my life. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I graduated from TCU and I went right into the television and film industry. I worked in there for six years and, um, had a great time. I, I truly did. I, I lived, I lived in Dallas, worked in Dallas for, for a while and then moved to Chicago, um, as well. And, when I moved to Chicago, what I realized was uh, this is 
there's some things that you have to do in the television industry to get ahead mm-hmm. that I just wasn't prepared to do. Yeah. And I just, you know, that's a whole podcast, but yeah. I decided that, you know, there's gotta be another thing. Mm-hmm. There has to be another thing. Um, so because television was all I knew at that time. And I was in Chicago. I know I have no family anywhere in any of these places. I'm talking about. <laughs> literally just me. Yeah. And so, so in Chicago, I decided, well, I, television is all I know. And so I ended up um, going to work for a public access television station. And this is the first time I was introduced to what nonprofit work mm. is. Public access is the mother of YouTube. So oh. if you go back, uh-huh. And so way back in the day, if you look it up, um, it's really a fascinating story, I think. So cable was this brand new thing mm-hmm. that was happening. And the FCC was really concerned, and they were totally convinced, actually, that, that the cable companies were going to come into these small communities and dictate what channels people were going to be able to see, thus controlling what, what content everybody got. Yeah. So... Um, the rule was, so the FCC said, because they, you know, we didn't know, nobody knew what this marketplace was going to look like. So mm-hmm. F- the FCC said, you can come in, but you're going to have to create free stations with access to the community so they can put on whatever content they want at no cost to them. In fact, you have to foot the bill. So they had to create a government access channel, an education access channel, and a public access channel. So that is Wayne's World. If you go to Saturday Night Live and you ever see old YouTube, Wayne's World, that is public access. Okay. And so this is what we did is I um, I got hired. I was not only fixing VCRs, which I know don't even exist today, but I was <laughs> I was um, I was fixing VCRs and um, um, putting content on the air. But but the, the most exciting part that I was doing um, was community members would come to us and they would say, hey. Um, I want to, I want to start a show, um, about, I want to teach people how to knit. And so I want to, I want to start a show like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine today you just like pick up your phone, right? Like, why is that hard? But back then we could, we didn't have any of that. So they came into the studio. I taught them all about production. I taught them how to use cameras. They learned, they, they had their own crew set up. It was super cool. And then they produced their own shows and Hmm. I put them on the air for free. Wow. And this is what happened. Um, I will never forget this one day, a woman walks in to the studio who I taught and I knew, and she says, Suzanne, I just have to tell you, you've changed my life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not even 30. And I'm like, I'm, I haven't changed anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? How could I have changed your life? And she's like, well, you taught me how to do this. I have my own show. And now I have so much business because she, I, I, I think it was quilting that she uh-huh. was doing. I have so much business that I, I, it's changed my life. I can quit my other job and just do this. Aww. And that feeling of helping somebody for no personal gain, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was just my job. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I could use a skill that I had that I didn't even realize at the time because youth, you know, is waste young, right? <laughs> Age, youth is wasted on the young. Um, <laughs> I had no understanding of, I was like, wow, I didn't know that I really knew how to do those I mean I knew I knew how to do those things but mm-hmm. I didn't know that they were valuable skills to other people yeah so um I know that's a long backstory but that's how I got started in nonprofit and 
Um, so I was hooked on this feeling and this idea of, of impacting others through the ability to tell stories. And that's what I learned how to do. Mm. And so it's, it's driven a lot of, of my, um, that drove really the rest of my twenties and thirties. Um, I moved to New York and I ran a public access station there as well. Um, as we all know, nonprofits don't pay the bills. And so I needed another full-time job as well. Wow. And um, so I took on the role of head basketball coach, head women's basketball coach for um, a small college in upstate New York. Oh my gosh. At the same time. So I worked, yeah, it was great. So I worked during the day. I was, I was um, the executive director of a public access station. And in the afternoon and evenings, I was um, the head coach of a women's basketball team. Wow. I mean, you got to love helping people in order to work two jobs, right? Oh yeah. 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 And, and also there's the need to eat, but mm -hmm. yes, no, I really love, um, I love connecting with people in that way. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I don't think that I have anything super special. It's just when you invest time and just a little bit of time into listening to what is happening in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. I can't fix what's happening in your life. Um, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's just the listening and then connecting with a solution and, and um, you know, which kind of goes back to, to ultimately where I've ended up here at Livestrong. But um, so, yeah, so I, I loved I loved my kids, my girls, my women. Um, I drove the bus. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, I did it all. I drove the bus. That's yeah. awesome. It's very founder-like, you know, oh, yeah. to do, wear I had all my the hats. Son. Yeah, <laughs> I had my. It's like a movie. I had my son when I was coaching and yeah. still doing the access station. And so during the day, he was in the pack and play in my office, and then in the evenings, I put him in my um, baby Bjorn. Uh -huh. You know, it's like the front-facing backpack thing. Yeah. And so my kid is like. <laughs> He literally is, I'm running around the court and he's on the front of me. It's, oh my you know, gosh. It's great stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, so that's really how I got my start in nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and after leaving Chicago or leaving New York, um, I made, I, I had a couple of pit stops along the way, but I made my way back to Texas and I've worked for nonprofits like CASA, Children's Miracle Network, an education foundation, um, Susan G. Komen, and now, um, here at, uh, Livestrong as the Chief Strategic Solutions and Programs Officer. Oh my goodness, such a cool story, you know, of like you you realize something that sparked your heart, you know, and your energy mm -hmm. and, and, and you continue to follow it. And yeah, most people, um, you know, we always talk to everyone about what's your background because almost no one said, yeah, in kindergarten, I said I was going to work in femtech, right? Like that's yeah. not anyone's story. Yeah. So <laughs> we somehow end up here. Right. Um, so, right. you know, when I think of Livestrong, I think of the yellow bracelet, right? But, uh, right. To, oh, you got it on. She's got, so that's Always. still a thing. Yes. <laughs> and so um, tell us though, for, you know, we have international listeners. Um, right. What is Livestrong? Um, you know, what, yeah. what is it um, originally? Because I know you also have evolved. So tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about what Livestrong's up to. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, Livestrong began, and, and most people who are familiar with Livestrong, and depending on kind of your age group, that's mm -hmm. that's really like what you know about Livestrong, yeah. right? So Livestrong began, um, you know, with Lance Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, he had prostate cancer, he wanted to do something and give back, and he started the Livestrong Foundation. Um, we were wildly successful because of him, yeah, um, because of his name, right? And, uh, 
even at the beginning and since the beginning, it has always been about the patient and putting the person at the center of everything that we do. We're not about curing cancer. We've never been about curing cancer. That is not something that's necessarily interesting to us only because other people are doing it. Yeah. Right. One of the things we don't want to do is duplicate services. So we've Mm -hmm. always been about the quality of life for the person who's journey is affected by cancer, whether that's the patient or the caregiver or the healthcare Mm. worker or the child or whoever that is, Mm. we're really about the quality of life. So 24 years ago, that's how that began. Um, In 2012, Lance left the organization Mm -hmm. and the organization left Lance. Mm -hmm. So um, he has not been a part of the organization since then. Mm -hmm. Um, and isn't today. I think that's that's one thing that I definitely want people to know. Um, whether you are a Lance Armstrong fan or you're not a Lance Armstrong fan, mm-hmm. it doesn't it's it's doesn't matter to me. One, we are. I'm grateful that he created this organization. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, we wouldn't be here without without that creation. Right. At the same time, I think it's really important to acknowledge and for everybody to understand that he's gone one direction, we've gone another direction. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about evolution, just like in any business, right, um, we had to evolve yep. when it became very clear that it was time for us to do so. Mm-hmm. And so we parted ways with Lance. And um, honestly, I will say that that if you look back at the history and what we've been able to do, we have made more impact just in the past, in these past eight years than we did, you know, in the first 12. So. Wow. We've really made a, a huge impact mm-hmm. on cancer patients. So, the, and listeners, evolution- really uh-huh. quickly, listeners, yeah. if, if you're struggling with your company right now, let's say there's something, you know, you're having a co founder conflict or a business issue, or, you know, there's a bad PR thing about your company, you think it's the end, it may not just be the beginning of, uh, you know, the evolution of your company. So if you if you feel discouraged, Livestrong has done some of their best work in the last eight years after some big controversy. So if you're out there yeah. wondering, is this the end of my company? It may also be the beginning. Just want to throw that out there for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. You know, I think in the face of challenge like this, because it and it continues to be a challenge for us. Um, you know, I think when we when we are faced with things in our companies or, or organizations that become profoundly difficult, mm-hmm. you have you have a couple of choices, just like you do in your life, yeah. right? You you either bow to that, close the doors delete your Twitter account. And, <laughs> yeah. Barricade right, the door. Barricade the doors and, and move to Guatemala yeah. or right. Um, um, change your last name, whatever. Yeah. Um, or you say, um, Hey, you know what? Perfection isn't something that any of us, mm-hmm. we, we just, we're not perfect humans. Yeah. We're not. And so you, you own the mistake or you own the evolution and yeah. you say, you know, Again, whether whether or not, no matter what that crisis is, my belief is, right, in that leadership role, you have the obligation to say to everybody who's invested in you, whether that's just with their time or their money mm-hmm. or their what both, to say, hey, this isn't over. We got this. Yes. Let's let's look at what we have and let's look at this as an opportunity and how do we grow from it, move away, move from it. Mm-hmm. But I think ownership of of the past and not dwelling in the past is important. 
that's just my thought. Like at Live Strong, you know, I will say just for us specifically, Uh we didn't do anything. We we did not do anything wrong. (laughs) We were never doing anything wrong. Um, But you become guilty by association. Yeah, yeah. With somebody who did make some choices that whether you believe that they were wrong or right were Mm -hmm. controversial. Yeah, yeah. And caused a lot of turmoil Mm -hmm. and they caused damage, Mm -hmm. collateral damage. The organization, and and anybody who's listening also going through this, right? The organization rarely does something actually wrong. Mm -hmm. There's probably one person who made a bad choice. So own it. Yeah. And and look forward. And look forward. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And that actually kind of reminds me of your mission because a lot of your quality of life stuff is post cancer, you know, quality of life, right? So let's talk. So tell us more about how, why is that important or who else is working on it? Tell us about that. Yeah. So when we, yeah. So our mission is a mission question as opposed to a mission statement. Our mission question is what, what everyday cancer problem will we fix today? Oh, I love that. And so that's what we're looking for. And so every morning when I wake up, it's, it's about the problem. That's what's written at the top of my pages. Um, how do I stop the chaos? What can I do to improve somebody's quality of life today? And that's what Live Strong is about. So we're an impact funder. We are. Um, we do not pretend to be the expert in anything, but what we do, what we are, is we are the leader in finding those solutions. Mm. We find the friction points, and then I'm going to go find the person or the group or the organization that can that can fix that friction. Um, whether that's through systems change or it's treatment care or, um, systems, what, whatever it could be. It's a product, it's a treatment, it's a lifestyle, it's a service, Mm -hmm. something. Absolutely. Whatever it is. And so when you go to livestrong.org, what I can promise you is that you're not going to find, um, things that you're going to Google, right? Hmm. When you, when you get diagnosed with cancer or you have a friend who has cancer, the Mm -hmm. first thing that happens is you start Googling and you look. And, and you read craziness. There's craziness. We all know that, yeah, right? Yeah. We all know there's not s- stuff out there, but what we are is that trusted resource that mm-hmm. you can rely on. If it's on our website, it is truth. And it's truth backed by scientific fact. It's not politically motivated. Mm-hmm. I don't really care what anybody, you know, this is, this is solid scientific fact. Yes. Um, and so that's what you can find. So you can take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And go, okay, the information that I know that I'm reading about is real. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to point you to resources or solutions to, to, to fix it, to make, your, to make your everyday just a little bit better. Because some of the problems mm-hmm. that happen because of cancer, just it, frankly, they don't deserve to exist. Wow. Um, and they've existed for way too long. Yeah. What are the main uh, types of cancer that affect women? Let's speak about the United States because I'm, I'm sure every country has different statistics mm-hmm. and I wish mm-hmm. I could talk to you all day on record, but we got... <laughs> I know, we've got time. we got time now, but so I tell know. us about no, some of the cancers that affect women specifically. Sure. So I think there are a few that, that um, you know, really come to mind mm-hmm. that are specific to, to women. Breast cancer is the most obvious Um choice or perhaps maybe the most obvious choice, but breast cancer is definitely, um, definitely a big one. And Mm -hmm. then we also, lung cancer also affects women at, at a high rate and obviously ovarian, um, ovarian cancer as well as uterine cancer. Mm -hmm. So these are pieces of the body that guys don't have. Yep. 
So obviously they're unique to us. They're solely women, um, female <laughs> cancers. Solely yeah. female. Yeah, yeah solely yeah. female. And so it's also, you know, so here I'll put, well, I don't have to put the woman hat on because that's who I am. Um, <laughs> but I will say when you look at, when you look at statistics and I could, you know, and you can, you can go and Google and look at the statistics mm-hmm. all day long. I will say the American Cancer Society has some really great stat resources. So if you're looking for, if you're a data data person. Um, if you love Excel spreadsheets, then they, (laughs) they always put out some really great, um, statistics and great, um, content. So I encourage you to, you know, really take a look and do a deeper dive because you could literally have, um, spend your day, um, digging into those reports if those are the things that interest you. But if you look at the survivorship and the survival rate for prostate cancer versus the survival rate for breast cancer, it's striking. What do you mean? It's striking. Tell me. So prostate cancer, when you, uh, obviously only men have prostates, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the survival rate for prostate cancer is 99%. What? Okay. That's like Lysol. 99%. <laughs> Killing 99%. Yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah. okay. It's like, like a given. So, all right. right. So I'm not, I'm not minimizing prostate yeah. cancer because I I've actually recently in the last couple of years lost somebody that I know to prostate cancer. Wow. But the reason yeah. that he passed away from prostate cancer was because he chose not to treat it because he chose to bury his head in the sand and say, Oh, well, it'll go away. Okay. I don't want anybody messing with me. I, you know, like yeah. I'm not going to talk about that very guy thing. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And so he lost his battle because he actually never went to battle. Battled. Yeah. No, he didn't. Um, So I'm going to say that. And then let's talk about breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So one in eight women will get breast cancer. Wow. Um, If you catch breast cancer between stage zero, and that's a stage, stage zero and two, zero, one, and two, your five-year survival rate is 99%. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Stage three and later drops to 60, six, zero percent. And that's only five years, right? It's not, mm-hmm. that's, that's just something, five years and, you know, I want right. our listeners to know if, you know, we have a lot of poli sci majors that listen, mm-hmm. sociologists, we have, a, yeah. I have a bunch of farmer friends in New Hampshire that listen too. So um, <laughs> when you have cancer and then you have cancer treatment, you go into what is called remission. So you are never actually cured of cancer. You are just in Correct. a hiatus from cancer and it can Correct. come back at any moment. So when she said, you know, Suzanne says five year you know, it's because there's this expectation that it, you still have cancer. You're just like in this uh, sabbatical of, you know, Correct. having a giant yeah. tumor. So, yeah. And it's very, and it's very possible that it never comes back. Yeah. Um, certainly it's very possible. Certainly it's possible that you jump off, you know, you, you go skydiving and that doesn't work out for you or, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's some other thing that, you know, is your last day. Yeah. But um, I will say this, when you are, Definitely in working in, in the cancer field, we never say cancer free, but if you have cancer, a lot of people do. And that's, that is up to you. Yeah. Like that, 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 that language I believe is personal and it's individual. Some people call themselves survivors. Some people call themselves fighters or thrivers or warriors or whatever you want to call yourself. That's it. This journey is deeply personal. Yeah. And so I definitely don't want anybody who's listening today to think that, that, that we prescribe how you should feel. Right? You can't or say how, cancer free biologically, should, not true. Right. JK, not do true. whatever you want. Right. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know women who've gone, you know, I know women, many women, right, who, who've been through um, one cancer journey and they went through treatment, they rang their bell and it's been decades. Yeah. Yeah. Good. At the same time, um, we have a, a team member here on staff who's in her fourth battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has been diagnosed four times with four different wow. types of cancer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's all it, every, and that really speaks to the challenge in cancer because mm-hmm. everybody's journey is so unique. Yes. You, yes. If knock on wood, we're not going to ever get this, but if you and I both were to get breast cancer and the exact same kind, her two positive, mm-hmm. right? Let's mm-hmm. just say the way it acts in you is going to be very different than yeah. the way it acts in yeah. me. And yeah. it's because we are all individuals. So when we talk about, you know, cancer and how it affects women specifically, Mm -hmm. the way we can change the things that we do and the way we change those outcomes is by taking care of ourselves, putting ourselves first and going to get screened. I cannot say that loud enough and shout it from the rooftops. There are ways to detect this before it kills you, but you have to go. You cannot, we do we do this all the time as women, right? Mm -hmm. We put everybody else, our family, our boyfriends, our parents, the dog, whatever in front. As I look over at my dogs, (laughs) (laughs) the dog, um, not the cat because I have a cat, but she doesn't care what's happening. Right. So she's like, whatever you're here, you're not here. It's irrelevant to me. But I, um, I really encourage everybody, you know, we have, it's, you have to take control, not only of your business, but you have to take control of your personal health. And mm-hmm. that's a deal. Mm-hmm. We have always made accommodations for men to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. They have, they have, they have done that heart disease with prostate cancer. We're going to take care of that. You know, Oh, we got to look at that. We got to look at that because historically, right. And, and, I think it's that unconscious bias piece again, right? If you were a male doctor who, and that's, that's who we all went to for very, very I don't remember going to see a female doctor until I was over the age of 30. Wow. For anything. Yeah. Because there, there were not female doctors for me to go to. Yeah. Right. So if you've got, if, if men are running the show, what -hmm. are they going to be most interested in? Well, they're most interested in themselves being healthy. And so, Mm -hmm. so that, that trickles down. And, um, and so I really encourage every woman who's listening today. And if they're men listening today, I encourage you to talk to all the women in your life and say, you need to be getting screened mammograms, but you also need to know your family history. Mm -hmm. Did anybody else in your family die of cancer on your mom's side, you know, on, on the woman's side, you need to know that you need to know what kind of cancer it was. And you need to be proactive and you need to talk to your doctor so that you can get the screenings you need. Because when we screen, we find it. We may not be able to stop it yet, Mm -hmm. but there's a big difference between stage one and stage four. Yeah. Our diagnostics are fantastic, right? It's the treatment that we're still like researching and working on. So that you said in the beginning of this, like there's this difference between survival rates for men, prostate cancer and, you know, women's Mm -hmm. breast cancer. Do you think mm-hmm. that it's because breasts are more complicated than prostates? Is it because men get checked earlier than women get checked? Or do you have any data or hypothesis around that? Sure. 
Sure. Um, so my hypothesis is simply that, again, kind of going back to historical, mm-hmm. you know, things, we weren't focused on breast. The mammogram is, is a, we haven't changed the mammogram in over 20 years. It's, it's the same technology wow. that we used 20 years ago. Right. I didn't even have Facebook um, 20 years ago. Things have changed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I still have my AOL account from 1988 and I'm not giving it up because of my name at AOL. Like who can get that? Yeah. Nobody can get that. Yeah. Right. Um, things have changed yeah. since, since AOL. Yeah. And, and, um, so the mammogram that my mother got is the same mammogram that I'm getting. Wow. Prostate screening has, is, has evolved. Okay. It's evolved because the people who were in charge of, you know, like who had access mm-hmm. and I'm not blaming, I'm not man bashing. No, really we never not. man bash on here. We love you men. We want you yes. involved. I love yeah. you. Yes, yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. We love you. Yeah. Um, but you should do your own laundry. So <laughs> I think that, I think that what we're looking at really is it's just, it's a historical unconscious bias. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really all this is. Yeah. So now we have this opportunity. So all of you women in tech, I, you know, when we talk about what, what you could do to change the planet, mm-hmm. to make an impact, change the mammogram. We've got 3D imaging now, which is great. And it's much better, but there has to be a better way. Yes. I know there's a better way. I don't know what it is because I am not a scientist. But if if Elon Musk can land a rocket if on a we boat can't, in the ocean, on a boat in the ocean <laughs> and reuse it, yeah, yeah. If he can do that, y'all, we, we can scan right? boobies like, better. All right, come right. on. <laughs> so, so things like this. Yeah. I I had to have um, I had to have surgery in my ear, my eardrum. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but my eardrum, as my my ENT calls it, was jacked up. Okay. So I, I was like, that's official. Should I write that down? So he had to rebuild me a new eardrum. Okay. Brittany, he built me an eardrum. What is that? Yeah. That's like, you can in, I'd like in your ear. I mean, like it's the, what? So I wake up from surgery and he says, I, well, I ended up having to build you a new eardrum. I don't even understand what you just said. Yeah. What? So we're able to do this amazing stuff. And I'm saying you want to change the world. You want to change women's health, not even just cancer related, but really, I think we look, if we look into screening technology, Mm -hmm. not just for breast cancer, but all forms of cancer, like the pap smear, seriously, there again, we're talking Mm -hmm. about a test that has not evolved in 30 years. We we have, it's sure the lab results are better and we've, yeah. we've gotten better yeah. at that, but isn't, is there not a better way? Yeah. I don't know what that way is, but my challenge to you would say would be, let's, let's, let's look at that. Yeah. Um, now that's not Livestrong's focus. Prevention is not Livestrong's focus. You're listening to Suzanne's passion. Um, my passion for this particular piece of cancer and women's health in general. Um, you know, we really have this great opportunity in tech to come into cancer in the cancer space, mm-hmm. not just looking at how to cure it. Let's think about something else. And I say that because if you can mitigate the side effects, if you can mitigate the damage that cancer does, mm-hmm. what if it doesn't matter if we have a cure or not? Yeah. Look at, look at AIDS. Look at AIDS and oh, HIV. Oh, yes. I 
never thought about that. Yeah. What if you can just keep your tumor quiet? Like, all right, I got a tumor, but like I take this pill every day and now I, you know, Mm -hmm. they cut out what they could and then they somehow encapsulated it and it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Interesting. What if they did that? Whoa. Well, um, you know, I think potentially you're proposing this because there are so many bad side effects of treatments for cancer, right? So tell us about what are the, what are the like lifelong or, you know, next few years side effects that women specifically have to deal with after they, you know, get into remission and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. everyone around them is like, you're a survivor. This is great. And their quality of life probably actually isn't that great. So tell us about that. Absolutely. There's several things. Um, the, the thing that we hear about most here at Live Strong, um, a few things we hear about neuropathy. This isn't necessarily, um, you know, female focused, but some of the drugs that women take for our specific types of cancer do tend to cause neuropathy. Um, and then uh, lymphedema, which is debilitating for women um, in that it def- disforms you, right? So mm. weight is always an issue, right? Okay. Body size. How do we look? We're always very, most of us, even if we say we love exactly how we, who we are right now, imagine yourself gaining 10 pounds of water and you can't make it stop. Yeah. That's what can happen. So your lymph lymphatic system, mm-hmm. um, becomes disabled and starts uh-huh. working incorrectly and it doesn't drain. It doesn't get rid of water the way that Mm. healthy lymphatic systems do. And so it retains water. And so you aren't doing anything wrong. You aren't eating bad. You're not, not exercising, but now people are looking at you going, you're not healthy. Mm. So like from a site, and I say that because it's from a psychological yeah. perspective and not just a physical perspective. Definitely, One, it's definitely. super uncomfortable. Yeah. To, Literally, I have a, a, a friend of mine who's metastatic, and she drains four or five pounds of fluid every single day from her body. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is a real thing. Yeah. Um, neuropathy is also hard because um, it usually affects extremities. So, like, suddenly you, you just can't feel your feet or you oh. can't feel the tips of your fingers anymore. Okay. And that changes your ability to, to write or to walk uh-huh. with grace or, you know, like yeah. – So your legs work, but you can't feel your feet. So you don't, your gait changes. Okay. Wow. So that, that can change things. Mm -hmm. When we, when we think about females or women specifically, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest thing that comes to mind for us is fertility. Oh, okay. So chemotherapy um, and radiation can often completely um, destroy a woman's ability to have a child. At Livestrong, we are passionate about this side effect. Yeah. Um, and we've created a, a network of over 730 clinics across the country that discount their services to women. Um, so if you were diagnosed with cancer today, and let's say you're 25 years old or you're 14 or even 32, yes. and you haven't had kids or you think you might want to have more, mm-hmm. um, then you've got a you've got only from the time you just heard that news until your first treatment to do something about it. So we, you know, um, when we talk about financial impact of cancer, it's massive, massive. and fertility is one of those big costs, right? Yeah. So we put this network together. Um, when you come into the fertility network at Livestrong, you get a discount for those services, and then we've also partnered with EMD Serono. 
AMD Serono is a, um, a pharmaceutical company that manufactures um, those IVF drugs and those drugs that you need in order to be able to um, capture the eggs or mm -hmm. to harvest the eggs to, to freeze so that you can use them later. And they provide those drugs for free. Wow. This is, this is a savings of literally thousands and thousands yes. of dollars. Yes. So, um, we get, we get pictures of babies, um, mm. almost every month from families who are able two or three years after cancer, their cancer is, has been treated and their body is healthy. Now they're able to use those eggs that were frozen and the woman is able to carry that child, wow. um, her own child, and so but the eggs were, the eggs were safe. So the eggs are damaged from the chemo radiation because they just get mutated or they die. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All of those things. Wow. Yeah. All and those things. Also, and so the uh -huh. radiation causes a lot of scar tissue, right? So that's like what our co-founder works on, Dr. Julie Hakeem. Mm -hmm. She works on she's working on the vaginal stint because there's so much scarring that happens during radiation. Yeah. Is that something mm -hmm. that affects fertility? Absolutely. It, it it affects fertility. If you can't have intercourse, you absolutely are not having. A yeah, child. that's, um, you know, <laughs> if you don't know about that's... this, we have some sex ed episodes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that came yes. out earlier. So. Yes. Yeah, we won't go all the way down that road, but, yeah. but it's definitely a barrier to success yes. in this particular case. And so it's really important that women and, um, you know, oncologists are great about this, but they're definitely telling these women and those endocrinologists, hey, you are of childbearing age. If you think you want to have a kid, you need to do something about this right now yeah. um it's also for the the guy too so let's say you just married this guy mm -hmm. or you know you you you're a partner a couple whatever mm -hmm. you want to have a child and he gets cancer same thing right your eggs are going to be fine but his little guys not so much yeah so we also offer it's the same program for men as well okay yeah um so we'll freeze um, will freeze his eggs and also his partner or his sperm and also his partner's eggs mm -hmm. so that they have this opportunity, even if, because we don't know what's going to happen with either partner, yeah. right? You can't, yeah. you can't know that. So in the program, we'll, um, we make sure that both partners are able to have, um, fertility, mm -hmm. um, treatments so that they can have kids. So what if a woman has over. breast cancer, she has treatment, she has, saves her eggs, freezes her eggs mm -hmm. through Livestrong's help. Yes. Um, she's uh, in remission and mm -hmm. then she wants to have a kid, but mm -hmm. can she breastfeed? If she didn't get it like a mastectomy, she has her breast, can she still breastfeed? Or if she did get sure, a mastectomy, it, like what are the choices there for her? Yeah, it, it really depends. Yeah. Um, it depends on what they've had to do surgically. Uh -huh. Um and what type of breast cancer she had, and did it affect both sides? Did they have to remove the nipple or not? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if the nipple is removed, then that's not an option for her anymore. Yeah. Um, even if she didn't have to have a mastectomy, some uh, mastectomy. Sometimes there's a lump lumpectomy that, um, it, depending on the type of cancer, if it invades the milk ducts, uh -huh. then that's not going to work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The plumbing system will, might be there, but there's no faucet. Right, is what you're getting here. <laughs> like, correct, yeah. correct. The faucet yeah. will be shut off. Yes, the, the physicians will shut the faucet <laughs> off. Um, yeah. No, no faucet happening. Um, even if the faucet was on, that that uh, canal system was not gonna not yeah, gonna work. Done. Yeah. Um, so 
there's a possibility, of course, if you want to, to breastfeed on the other side and mm. that's, that other breast wasn't affected. And this sometimes impacts the reason why some women choose only, you know, if you have breast cancer, let's say just on your, on one breast, uh-huh. they're just going to have oh the, one. the, the, not a bilateral, right? Yeah. They're just going to take, take the one instead of the other. Mm-hmm. If breastfeeding is something that's important yeah. to them. And do you think oncologists um, really go through all of this with women beforehand? Like if it's a 13 year old girl, she's probably not thinking about mm-hmm. fertility. Do doctors right. bring this up to 13 year old girls? Like, yeah. So they do, yeah. but not all of them. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's another, that's another opportunity. I think for us as women to think about our daughters mm. and our friends, daughters and our, you know, our kids, yeah. um, pediatric oncologists are very cognizant of mm-hmm. long-term and long lasting effects of cancer on the, these kids. Because when you have cancer, just because treatment is over, does not mean you are normal. You are yeah. not back to the way you were before. There's a lot of long lasting side effects, especially when you talk about kids mm-hmm. um, or even when you're not. So if we talk about geoblastoma, which is brain cancer, it's the worst kind. I lost my friend, Sean in March. Um, she lost her battle. She was an entrepreneur, mother of two wow. amazing, beautiful human being. Um, but she had brain cancer that, that just, you know, they op- it doesn't matter that they, they couldn't yeah. solve that problem. Right. Yeah. Because it invades your frontal lobe, but the side effects from her treatment is that was that she could not drive. Even if they had cured her, which was not ever going to be a possibility because this is not a cancer that I think the survival rate is like 1% or 3%. It's miserable. Um, She wasn't ever going to be able to drive again. Hmm. When we talk about quality of life, she was 49 years old and you're telling me she can't drive? Like, what does that do to you when you talk about your lack of mobility and your, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's a quality of life issue. Um, And so that's, that's a real thing for all cancer patients is what else, what else is happening to your body? So as a child, um, there's a, uh, I know a young boy, his name is Jack. um, And he um, was diagnosed eventually with um, a similar type of brain cancer. Mm -hmm but he was six. What was happening to him is that he started having seizures and those seizures damaged his frontal lobe to the point of no return. And so today as a 21 year old, he'll never live on his own. He has, he has a lot of special needs. He will not, you know, what he was before, before that tumor happened Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. who he is today. And that happens to a lot of cancer patients uh, people who have cancer as part of their journey. Another thing that's um, another side effect that people don't often think about is PTSD. Oh, so, yes. So I'll, yes. Um, if you imagine, if you know anybody who's a little bit of a hypochondriac, you can use them as this example. Okay. Right? I think we all have that friend. Do you have one. that friend? You're like, no, you're not dying today. Like that's it's a hang now. It's an ingrown hair. You know, like you're fine. It's fine. Yeah. Right. But imagine that you've had cancer mm. and now you're you have a cough. Oh. Uh now your right leg hurts. Now your your fingers blue. Like you name it. 
And what often happens for cancer survivors or people who've come through a cancer journey is that everything that's wrong with them ever, they think is this cancer. Wow. I never thought about that. Is it back? Yes. This also happens to caregivers oh. as well, not just to pediatric oh. cancer patients, but imagine imagine your spouse or your mother or your father. Yes. And every time they complain about something or you notice something that feels different or off, your first go-to is, is that cancer. Yes. Wow. So PTSD is trauma. Mm -hmm. um, we call it secondary trauma. Um, PTSD is just the term I think I like to use because I think everybody understands what that means. Yes, of course. Um, secondary trauma is probably the cleaner term or the more correct, clinically mm -hmm. correct term, but I will always default and say I'm not a physician nor my psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I get to I get to get it wrong on occasion, but that is that is a real thing and it absolutely happens. And so what is so Live Strong doing to like support that, like absolutely. help treat it? Or yeah, it's that mental health aspect that's mental so important. Health. So um, currently, we've got we've got a couple things. One, um, we're funding a solution um, that has been created by an organization out of uh, Denver, Colorado, called Vital Hearts. Hmm. Vital Hearts is actually a um, secondary trauma education program for healthcare providers in the oncology field. So they go to hospitals and clinics, and they train healthcare providers who watch people go through this yeah. every single day. This is what they do for a living oh. and they suffer from that emotionally and they teach them how to deal and how to manage that. Mm -hmm. And then w within themselves and also how to help their, help their patients wow. um, with that same thing. Another solution that we're funding is through um, an organization called wonders and worries. This is an organization that we actually had a hand in starting um, many years ago. They're, they were based here in Texas, but now they're throughout the country. I'm very proud of what they do. They are focused on children of parents or siblings who have cancer, again, around this PTSD, depression, mm -hmm. um, grief, yeah. and coping mechanisms. Um, so Wonders and Worries is a program that is connecting these kids or youth, young adults, to resources, teaching them how to cope, teaching them what to do next, how to think, how to feel, um, and, uh, and, and really deal with that. Yeah. We're really looking forward to, um, we, we also have funded in the past and um, continue to work with an organization called the Flatwater Foundation. Hmm. Um, Flatwater is, um, I, I love Mark, the uh, CEO and founder. I love this story. He created Flatwater Foundation with his dad when his dad was diagnosed with cancer, but his father um, always talked about that calm that he would feel mm. and that he just missed that. And when everything was right, it was like flat water. And that's yes. why it's called the Flatwater Foundation. So Flatwater Foundation actually provides free therapy for cancer patients and their families. Oh my God. Zero cost them. Um, so they've created a network of um, therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists um, around the country that reduce their rates. And then Flatwater pays those fees for patients Amazing. and their families to, to be able to go. 
and find some relief there. Yeah, so often we put mental health as like the back burner, but it is the front yeah. burner <laughs> most it of the time, be. actually. It's the front burner. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, you leave that burner on and we've got trouble. <laughs> You're done. Yes. <laughs> well, we have trouble. Suzanne, I could literally talk to you all day, um, but I want to get to our last two questions that our listeners love. Um, this first yes. one, you kind of gave us an answer already, but let's see if you have any more. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to innovate in women's health and wellness, what's an area that still needs innovating you said mammograms earlier so mm-hmm. mammograms y'all innovate it what else yeah mammograms um are a big one let's let's figure that out um what else i think in, you said in, pap smear could use some uh, yeah, updating pap mm-hmm. yeah pap smear could use some updating yeah i'm you know um the idea that we only have to get them now every other year mm-hmm. like are you sure does that make me feel really good? <laughs> I don't know about all that. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's, I think there might be some opportunity there. And then within healthcare, not cancer specific, um, mm-hmm. maternal morbidity yes. um, is a problem. Yes. And it's not okay. There no. are women who lose their lives every day when they give birth. And there is no reason for that. No. Um, not in this country, Mm-mm. not in any country, but um you know, if, if we're going to talk about the United States specifically, this is a country that deserves to have its women raise its, raise those children and everybody deserves their mom in whatever capacity she can be there for them in. Um, and, and the uh, fact that the mortality rate is double for black women compared to white women and triple yeah. for Hispanic women mm-hmm. compared Hispanic to white women, women is like yeah. beyond. It's completely yeah. unacceptable. unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Yeah. And there's no, there's no reason, there's no good reason for it. No. Um, the reasons for it can be solved and, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe that's my next mission, but right now, <laughs> yes, but that's how you can, you can definitely, there needs to be some innovation there. Yeah. Somebody needs to really do some out of the, I call it what if thinking. Mm. We really need to do some what if thinking yeah, on that. Totally. And our last question is, what do you think uh, the women's health and wellness industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful and move forward? I'm going to just say that this, in my opinion, applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more mentors like you. Mm. We need more women to open the door. Um, we need to be kind to one another and not competitive with one another. Mm-hmm. We need to be collaborative instead of competitive and to say, hey, you know what? I know we're in the same space and I know we're, we're kind of gunning for the same thing. But what if we, we put, we put that competitive nature of who we are as women aside, because we've all had to fight really hard to get where we are. Yeah. The glass ceiling, I'm sitting behind a glass wall. For those of you who can see me, I literally have glass within, (laughs) within, um, arm shot, but, um, you know, the glass ceiling is a real thing. Yeah. And my belief when we talk about success in women's healthcare or any industry mm-hmm. is we have to be willing to mentor one another actively without concern for our own success. Yes. Yep. We have to do a better job of treating one another well. And, and, you know, we are, I, I really believe that 98% of women have this caregiver gene, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's in us. Yeah, it's I just natural. don't see any other way. Yeah. And, yep. um, Unfortunately, sometimes society and the, what we've had to do to become successful, uh-huh. we've had to shelve that. That's right. We've had to, we've had to shelve That's it right. and we start acting, which is completely understandable. I've done it myself. We've all done it. 
we sit at a table full of um, amazing men, Mm -hmm. but we have to play by their rules. Mm -hmm. And we start adapting their rules in the way that they work. And we all know that men are from Mars. So (laughs) it's time for us to retake our planet, right? And say, you know what? I'm proud to be a woman from Venus. And and let's let's get together on this. Here's our rule book. Right. Here's it's a rule here's book of rule collaboration. Book. It's a rule book Absolutely. of everyone can win. You know, it's a rule. Everyone book. Yeah. can win. We don't always have to like one another because that's not what it is either. You know, <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I like you, but I don't like every woman I ever meet. You know, I, but yeah. it's okay. We don't have to like everybody, yeah. but we do. I believe we have a responsibility as women to hold one another up, and especially when we talk about women of color, mm-hmm. because as hard as myself a white woman has had you've had mm-hmm. you know what I just can't even Not imagine even the yep. challenges yep, right? right so that's we right. need to hold we need to hold our um all of our sisters up yes. no matter where they came from what they look like yes. um or what their journey is and say hey pay attention I, we're pretty cool I, we're pretty cool people <laughs> we are we're so there's actually um a, something I saw on LinkedIn that I'd love to share with our listeners real quick um it was a, a post of how can we help our, you know, women of color in our community to like rise up. And so this woman shared on her LinkedIn a, an email that she, I guess she got invited to speak on this panel. And she responded saying, hey, I've, I've noticed this panel only has Caucasian individuals. I would like to, you know, not take this and introduce you to a few people of color that I think would also do a fantastic job. And I was like, that is championing people of color, you know, like just hoping that the program managers do it, you know, like, I guess we can all hope and pressure them, but the real, if you like down to it, surrender your seat, you'll be invited on Mm -hmm. another panel. Doesn't need to be your voice every single time. Right. Yeah. I I really love that. Yeah. You know what? I love the fact that she, she took action. She didn't just say, invite some other people. She said, let me intro you. Yeah. Let me intro you. And this is who I'm thinking would be better than me. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think we owe it to one another. Yes, definitely. Um, And we'll solve a whole lot of problems. Suzanne, so good. This is awesome. I cannot wait. Let's just be friends, please. Um, Can't wait to socially distance coffee with you one day. Yes, yes, Um, yes. yes. Live strong. So inspiring. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks for everything that you guys do. All of you listening out there who um, are brave. You're very brave. And um, keep, keep it up. If there's anything I can do to help you in your journey, please reach out. Let me know. Thank you for listening to my interview with Suzanne Stone, the Chief Strategic Solutions and Programs Officer of Livestrong. If you are innovating ways to detect cancer, preserve a woman's body and mind while receiving cancer treatment, or support female survivors, then please reach out to Livestrong. They have incredible events and conferences. I just attended and spoke at their Icon Summit, which was incredible. So definitely go to the website, livestrong.org, to check out all the things that they're up to. Also, you may notice that they have grants that you can apply to. So you can either be a nonprofit or a startup and apply for grants through Livestrong. I personally love Livestrong's mission statement, which is actually posed as a question. What everyday cancer problem will we fix today? So powerful. 
Alrighty, Fem fans, if you love our content, then please consider donating to Femtech Focus, which is a nonprofit organization. Your contributions go directly to helping us elevate the Femtech industry. You can also support the show by sharing it with a friend, subscribing, and leaving a review. To stay up to date on Femtech news and events, subscribe to our newsletter or join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.